الحمد لله الحمد لله خالق الوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم ومخرج الصبر من الألم فملق التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم ذي الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمد عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وإن كل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن ولي الله الذي نزل الكتاب وهو يتولى الصالحين والذين تدعون من دونه لا يستطيعون نصركم ولا أنفسهم ينصرون وإن تدعوهم إلى الهدى لا يسمعوا وتراهم ينظرون إليك وهم لا يوصلون خذ العفو وأمر بالعرف وأعرض عن الجاهلين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يقفه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أمين يا رب العالمين one of the things that Allah has done for us in the Quran is describe very extreme situations and how the Prophet ﷺ was given advice and guidance from Allah on how to deal with those extreme situations. And by giving us guidance for that, you might find that you don't have to face that extreme of a situation in your life and I don't have to face that extreme of a situation in my life. But the point is, if this advice was good enough for such an extreme circumstance, then it can certainly be used for any lesser degree of intensity. It can apply to your situation and mine just as well. Because if it, it was good enough to solve a much tougher problem, think of it this way. If it was good enough to solve a much tougher problem, then my problem is a lot easier than that other much tougher problem that he had to deal with, sallallahu alayhi wa And this is an important way of thinking about what the Quran is talking about and how it's applicable. Because if you don't think of it this way, then it can create a lot of problems in the way you and I understand our religion and the way we see the world around us. For example, if you just say to yourself, the Quran, whatever it says, applies universally, the way it applied on the Prophet is the same way it applies on us. Or the way Allah was talking to the Sahaba is the way that he, he expects it to be applied on our situation. The problem with that is you and I both know that the kinds of sacrifices that the companions of the Prophet made are greater than any sacrifice you and I are ever going to make. They are called sabiquna sabiqun for a reason, right? And the, the, the converse of that also has to be taken into consideration. What does that mean? That means there were people alive in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. You and I are listening to the Qur'an. They were hearing the Qur'an from the Prophet's own voice. 
they were they were in front of him and they still disbelieved in him they didn't just disbelieve in him and make fun of him some of them even attempted to kill him and actually wished for him to be dead there were others who believed in him while having met him spent time with him praying behind him that were actually conspiring against him right so I'm talking about the kuffar of Mecca, I'm talking about the munafiqun, the hypocrites of Medina, the disbelievers and the mushrikun of Mecca and their arrogant leadership. They were so arrogant, some of them, that the Quran would compare them to Fir'aun, you know, or to, or to Qarun, or to, you know, other archetypes in history. Some pretty bad people. So what I, the point I was getting at was, if the good people of that time, the Sahaba, are way better than we're ever going to be, you understand? You also have to understand that nobody will come close now and spiritually speaking, nobody can even come close to committing the kind of crime that someone who lived in the time of the Prophet and was being stubborn with the Prophet or was being, was being arrogant with Rasul after seeing the Quran coming down, after hearing it in its original revelation and rejecting it that way, that is a level of arrogance. There will be people that are arrogant afterwards, but that's a level of arrogance that's unparalleled. Do you understand? So they're better, they're good people are way better than us in a sense. And their bad people are way worse than us. You have to understand that part of it too. The hypocrites at the time of the Prophet were living with him. They were praying with him and were conspiring to get him killed. And were hoping that he would die in battle. And were trying to undermine him in any which way. Right? Now there will be hypocrites after, but they're not going to ever be at the level where they're going to be able to even have the chance to commit such a crime. You understand? So because of that reason, when you and I read, for example, something Allah says about the hypocrites in the Qur'an, we shouldn't immediately think, well, this ayah, the way it applied in its original context and how the, who this was meant by, I know some people this applies to them too. And you jump. and you uh, The same way you wouldn't say, well, this is a praise of those who were following the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba who made these sacrifices, this must apply to me also. No, actually, the, the, the more sophisticated and the more correct way to think about this is that when Allah is speaking about the believers who've done good things, who've struggled, who've migrated, then they are our inspiration and we are going to reflect something from that guidance. Not all of it, something from it. Some of it applies to us and we have hopes of being rewarded in some way the way they've been rewarded. Even though the opportunity for goodness that they had can never be repeated again because they were literally side by side with Rasulullah right? The same way people that have done bad People that have messed up. And the way Allah is speaking about them, like Allah is very angry with the Quraysh. And he's, he's you know, promising their nation to be destroyed if they don't change their ways. Allah is promising them hellfire. All this serious stuff is being talked about in the Quran. And we immediately jump the gun and say, well, this is talking to the Quraysh. But by extension, this is talking to every non-Muslim from that time on. That is a huge jump that we we're not justified to make. You know, so you can't expose or, or, or export the anger of Allah in certain ayat and then apply that to all people in all circumstances. That is a huge jump that we tend to make. Are there some people that it might apply to? Sure. Sure. But we're, we're, we become too quick, quick to judge. And the ayat I want to talk to you about today actually have to do with a certain problem that the Prophet ﷺ had to deal with and the way Allah gave him guidance on how to deal with it. And so... We're going to hear that, but I don't want you to think once you hear it, well, this is, because specifically if I'm going to just, you know, solve the mystery ahead of time and let you know what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about stubborn people. I'm going to talk about people that are stubborn, that are hard to deal with. 
people that are not compromising. You're trying to reason with them. You're trying to talk to them. You're trying to help them understand. And they just don't, they won't have it. They don't want to hear anything you have to say. In fact, they get even more stubborn and dig their heels in even more and get even more rigid in their point of view if you try to reason with them. So instead of you know, de-escalating, they escalate further, right? They make, it makes things even worse. And the, you know, everybody in life has people that they may have dealt with or are still dealing with. I don't want you to look at them or point to them right now, but you're dealing with them and you have to, you, you find yourself at odds. Like I'm, I tend to be a pretty good communicator. I'm able to get my message across, but for some reason with this person, I'm never able to get my point across. And even when I try to make things better, they only get worse. This person only makes things worse. They get even more stubborn. Well, the Prophet was dealing with the most stubborn people. Like the greatest messenger was given the toughest crowd. You understand? Like because he's the greatest of all messengers, وسلم, the, the kuffar he had to deal with were some of the most rigid, tough kuffar ever in history. They may not have had the power of the Pharaoh, but they had the arrogance of him too. They still had the arrogance of him, right? And he has to deal with them. And now he's, he's giving them Quran for well over a decade. Two thirds of the Quran is coming to the Quraysh of Mecca. And the more Quran that should have been heard in their language, in ways that was loving towards them, in giving them counsel and warning them, over time that should have softened their hearts. If they started out against it, it should have, you know, the, the, the rigidity should have chipped, it should have chipped away at it, right? But instead, what do you find? You find they're getting more aggressive against the Prophet and then more aggressive and then more aggressive and then more aggressive. They're not getting better with the coming of more Quran. They're getting worse. They're actually getting worse. And this is a scenario which the Prophet has to deal with. You know, it's, it's one thing that you're talking to somebody stubborn. They don't want to hear what you have to say. So you know what you say? You and I say, you know what? I don't think I have to deal with this person. They're impossible to talk to. I'm just going to walk away. There's no point. There's no point communicating with a person like that. In fact, every time I talk to them, they are worse than the time before. And then I talk to them again, and they're worse than the time two times before then. So <laughs> this isn't going anywhere. This is totally headed in the wrong direction. I need to just get away. But what is Rasul Sallallahu told? On the one hand, ignore those who get you know obnoxious and arrogant and ignorant with you, etc. But at the same time, he's not being given permission to just walk away from that nation, still invite them, still recite to them, still listen to what they have to say. And some of the most arrogant things they said, some of the most obnoxious, wild, outrageous, blasphemous things that they said, Allah recorded it in the Quran by saying, وَقَالُوا And they said, and then he would quote the horrible things they said, the arrogant things they said, you know. And then Allah would say, now respond to them. And Allah knows better than you and I that those people who are saying these things, even the response is not going to help them. They're not going to listen to that response. But Allah is still capturing them, them talking, recording it, and then giving the Prophet ﷺ a response. So this deserves some thought. We have to think about what is, what is the situation that the Prophet ﷺ actually has to deal with. And one place that I find a lot of inspiration to, to address this, to find counsel in it, is actually Surah Al-A'raf. It's one of the longest Meccan surahs of the Quran, right? So the surahs revealed in the in the Meccan era of the Prophet's career in that time, Surah Al-An'am, Surah Al-Araf. These are some of the longest surahs that were revealed that were Meccan, right? This is Surah number seven, and part of it towards the end. Inna Certainly, 
my, so the Prophet is being commanded to say that certainly my protective friend is Allah. And he's the one who sent the book down and he will be the one to protect good people. He will be the one, the one to befriend good people. And this statement has a, what's called a kinaya in it. Now, let me tell you what a kinaya is let me, in simple language. If I said it's dark in here, if I just said it's dark in here, then I'm not just saying it's dark in here. I'm trying to tell you, could you please turn the lights on? Right. But I didn't say turn the lights on. What did I say instead? It's dark in here. Right. Or if a father is sitting at the, at the dinner table and he's saying, I'm thirsty, I'm pretty thirsty. He's not telling his son information that he, the son says, oh, that's interesting. Must have been a long day for you. No, he's telling his son, go get up and get me a glass of water. But he doesn't have to spell that out. What does he have to say? I'm thirsty. So this is called kinaya. You give a hint. You're not so explicit. Right. You say something that's factual. But a person who hears it, they understand that something else is being said through it. So when in this ayah, the Prophet ﷺ is being given revelation to say, my protective friend is Allah. It's actually a kinaya, an indirect way of telling the disbelievers, I am not intimidated by you. I don't, you, if you think I'm alone, and because I'm alone, I'm an easy target, you're wrong about that. And I, if you want to dismiss what I'm saying to you because you don't find any value in it, you make fun of it every time I open my mouth about Allah, about the Quran, you, you insult me and call me insane. You poke fun at these ayat. You do all of this insulting, dismissive stuff that doesn't take away from the fact that Allah is the one who sent it down. I will not see it as any less because my appreciation of the Quran and what was given to me, that doesn't depend on your reaction to it. And this is an important lesson right now. This is an important, important lesson dealing with stubborn people. Because stubborn people, you know what they try to, if they want to stay on their position, one of the ways to be stuck on your position is to make the other person feel like their position is stupid. Their position is worthless. Their position isn't worthy of listening. And when you hear that from somebody else, you start questioning whether or not you actually have something valid to say. And you know what? If you're not strong in your beliefs, you know what's going to happen? You will crumble. And eventually, even if you're right, you're going to go back to the stubborn person and say, I'm sorry I offended you. <laughs> right? You're, you didn't say anything wrong, but they have such a, such a strong psychological game that they look so offended and so upset and they're so rigid. Their conviction in the wrong is enough for you to be shaken and say, hey, I'm sorry I said that. Even though you were the one who was saying something right. Right? <laughs> they can do that to you. That's a really powerful technique that's used. It's used in media. It's used by, you know, political personalities. It's used in debate forums. It's used in family life all the time. Some people are really good at it. Really good at it. They can make you feel ashamed for saying something right. Right? And then you can buckle. So the ayah first says, I'm not going to get bullied because my wali is Allah. That I will not be, I will not belittle or back down from what I have to say because it was revealed from the book. That's the kinaya behind it. And he is the one who befriends all good people. Look at this last part. It's not just to say, oh, he befriends good people. No. For any of you who will turn, who will change sides, who will listen to what I have to say, who want to become better, who want to walk away from the, 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 you know, the stubborn. Because what happens sometimes, this is actually in, in long time ago when I was doing criminology studies, this is crazy stuff like gangs and you know young people that get into trouble and, and end up in jail and stuff like that or you know, beat somebody up or, or did some kind of crime. A lot of times there's one person in the group, 
right, who's very dominant. They're really intimidating. They're loud. They're maybe taller than everybody, stronger than everybody. And everybody's scared of their temper. Yo, you don't want to make him mad. So when that guy does something wrong, even if the other five, six guys with him did not want to do it, they only did it because the, the, the ringleader is so intimidating that it's too scary to walk away from him because you don't want to get on his bad side. So they'll engage in criminal behavior, not because they're as violent or as evil as the guy leading them, but they turn into sheep behind him. And they don't, they don't question it. Because if they question it, they figure the other five are going to beat me up or he's going to turn his rage towards me. So I better just go along with this. I better just go along with this, you know, carjacking or this mugging or whatever else, you know. And so in, in when, when the police capture these young men, these adolescents, these juveniles, and they in, interview them separately, it was him, man. I can't go against him. I, I, I can't, you know, and they, they'll, they'll rat him out. Each one of them will be like, it was that guy. It's just You don't know how he gets. What is the ayah saying? He, Allah, is the one who befriends and protects good people. In other words, you don't have to be intimidated by the stubborn people in your circle that you have to hide behind their, even if you don't agree with them, you're too, too scared to speak out, right? You're too scared to just take your own stand. Don't be like that. So in this, not only is the Prophet ﷺ standing tall, he's actually encouraging people that haven't found the guts to stand tall yet to get them to stand tall. So it's a remarkable kinayah. Then he says, This is an attack on the idols of Makkah. He says, those of you who you call other than him, meaning other than Allah, they're not even capable of helping themselves. And they can't, they, they can't help you and they can't even help themselves. They're completely powerless. And he, this is not the subject of the ayah. I want to set the, the scene for these two ayat that are coming. Now listen to this. There are two ways you can read this ayah. Allah intended this remarkable duality in this ayah. And I hope I'm able to express that to you clearly today. So one meaning of this is, Allah, the Prophet was told to, to criticize these idols that they have set up, right? And in religions, especially even in Mecca, when they built these idols, they give them kind of human form, right? They give them a face, nose, smile, sometimes scary teeth, sometimes big ears. This especially give them bulging eyes. And if it's a tall statue, it's looking down at you. So every time you look at the statue, you feel like it's staring at you. Or it's always staring at you, you know? And so they, they want to give the psychological impression that this figure is listening or this figure is watching me. You know, and they'll give this like, they have, they'll create a look on it, a certain look on it that's supposed to intimidate or make you feel like, you know, you, you should be sitting in awe. So they, they create these psychological effects in the way that they carve these idols. There's, there's actually a method to that, right? There's strategy behind it. And what does the ayah say? One comment, one way of looking at it is this ayah is talking about the idols and it's saying, and when you call on these idols to guide you, to guide you what to do, how to deal with this prophet. He's insulting you, right? Because the, the prophet is insulting the idols in a sense. He's saying they're nothing, they're powerless. So you should go to your God and say, hey, you know, great God, this one insulted you. How should we deal with him? You go get guidance from them. So if you were to call them to guide you, they, can't, they won't hear. And you're going to see them staring at you. And they can't even see. 
So this this attempt, like, you know, why don't you go get spiritual answers from your temple? Go get them. And then while you go, you should know. You're going to sit there waiting for an answer, and you know they can't see. Like, it's an insult on top of an insult. But there's another dimension of looking at this ayah, which is the home was used majazan. What this, what this does, let me put it without getting technical about the Arabic, is the Prophet and the believers are being told that you will see them. You will see, or in Tad'uhum, if all of you invite the, the stubborn people to guidance, if you invite stubborn people to listen to you to something that will actually guide them to common sense, to reason, there's no way they're going to listen. This is again, this is describing the nature. It's like comparing stubborn people to statues, right? Because you're talking to a statue, it has no reaction. It stays the way it is. And now let's flipping the script and saying, by the way, if you Muslims and if you believers, you meet certain people, you talk to them, it's no different than talking to a statue. They're not going to hear. And they are going to, you're going to see that they're looking right through you. They're staring at you as if they've got this deep, profound analysis and they've figured you out. And it's so belittling. It's so intimidating when somebody gives you a certain kind of stare, right? The Quran talks about the power of staring and how it can be actually a, a means of intimidation. Some of you might have been put in that situation. There are some people who look at you a certain way and you can melt inside. You can feel like nothing inside just from the way they're looking at you, their facial expressions, the way their eyes bulge. Just the way with, with and uh, what does Allah say about that look, that intimidating look? And they don't see anything at all. In other words, it's just, a, it's just an act. Behind that stare is no deep thought, no real criticism. There's nothing. It's just an act used to intimidate you because they have no real insight at all. They have nothing more to offer than intimidation. That's all they have to offer. So it's this deep insight into first of all the first thing you and i have to learn about dealing with stubborn people i'm not saying the stubborn people you have to deal with in your life are the same as the idols of makkah or the leaders of Quraysh. that's what i started with that disclaimer so i have to review that disclaimer with you but what i do have to also tell you that just because someone is stubborn doesn't mean that they wake up stubborn and they are stubborn 24 hours a day or 12 hours of their waking day and they go to sleep stubborn some people are really nice calm regular they're really easy to deal with but when it comes to one issue, when it comes to one subject, or when it comes to one of those, they ha they're having one of those days, and they become somebody else. They, you can't even recognize them. You understand? So they're, they're not like the statue. That's always the same. They're not like the Quraysh who are rigid. They're just set in stone. But there are people that have stubbornness in them every once in a while. They have it every once in a while, right? And in, the, in those moments, they don't want to hear anything that you have to say. In those moments, there's no point reasoning with them. There's no point getting, getting across to them. And you should know the people in your family, your loved ones, your friends. You should know them well enough to know when that evil switch is on. <laughs> you know, now I'm not calling them evil, but when that switch is on, you should know this person's not their normal self right now. They're not their normal self right now, which means having a reasonable conversation with them right now is no point. It's, it's not going to do any, it's only going to make things worse. You have to have the sense to that. And where do we get that from? This advice that you should know, you should be able to gauge the people in your life and say when to engage, when to not engage, right? What is Allah telling the Prophet in ayah number 199? 
Khudil afwa, hold on to afu. Afu has two meanings. One means forgiveness. And if you look at, look at that meaning, what that would mean then is, hold on to the idea that sometimes people are going to say crazy things in your life and you just got to learn to let go because they're not really themselves in that moment. Don't make that into an argument because you've had that same argument 3,000 times. It didn't go any differently. Learn your lesson and stop making the same mistake. But afu also means in Arabic, that which comes easy. Afu means that which comes easy, that which is accessible. And one of the meanings of that in the ayah is expect from people what you know they can handle. Expect reasonably what is easy for them. Like if you know certain tasks are too much for your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your father, your mother, certain conversations are too stressful for them. They can't handle it. You know how much they can handle, how much they can't handle. First of all, gauge and be merciful and understand who can handle what. Rasulullah would not give the same level of tasks to every sahabi, every companion. He knew some can handle more, some can handle less. Some were given massive responsibilities at a young age. And some were given almost no responsibilities even being twice that age. Because he has a profile, he has an understanding of who can handle how much. So you cannot have blanket expectations, even not, not from all of your children. Not all your children are the same. Some kids turn out to be Yusuf, others turn, others turn out to be Binyamin, others turn out to be the other brothers of Yusuf. That happens too, right? Not all kids are the same. Not all, not all you know, dealings, not all friends are the same. Not, our, not all employees are the same. And that's Khudil Afwa. Khudil Afwa, be a little, you know, forbearing. Understand that a person's not in their strongest moment right now and let go of the accelerator a little bit. Tone down the pressure. If, if they're getting rising in pressure, you tone it down a little bit. You don't escalate, you de-escalate. Or you realize this is not a productive time to have that conversation. This is khudil afwa. But that just because you went easy, what does shaitan come and tell you? When you go easy, then shaitan comes in two ways. He says, why are you going easy on him? What are you weak? You can't put that guy in your place, in his place? You're going to let him say that and not say anything back? And you tell yourself, no, I'll say it later, right? I'll say it later when it's time. And the shaitan will come and say, oh, yeah, later, right. Mm -hmm. He's just scared. So then you, say, then you tell shaitan, oh, yeah, I'm not scared. I'm going to have this fight right now like I did the other 800 times. And you do the same thing again. What's the other way shaitan comes? He says, man, it's not worth the fight. So don't bring it up. Then don't bring it up even when things are normal. Then don't bring it up ever again and let them get away with it. There is one thing, if a person is becoming ignorant, that's not the time to deal with it. When things, when things have calmed down, that doesn't mean the issue is resolved. You still have to bring it up. And where do we get that from? The next phrase in the ayah, and stand by and command and enjoin what is decent. Just because you're being lenient at times, doesn't mean you let go of your values or you're never going to bring it up anymore. You're just going to find a wiser time to bring it up. But you'll still stand by what you say. And you're not going to apologize for what you believe. Just because somebody else became belligerent, somebody else became ignorant, doesn't mean you have to back down. And then even when you bring it up, when you, bring it, when you thought it was a good time to bring it up, and you brought it up, and guess what? You found out that you stepped on a landmine again. The person blew up again. They're, they're having an emotional meltdown, and they're exploding on you, getting angry, getting stubborn, getting arrogant, getting all kinds of obnoxious... You're, you're facing that situation again. What does the ayah end with? And then deliberately ignore those who are incapable of controlling their emotions. 
You just they, the person like that needs to be ignored. You just say what you got to say and you don't take into your heart the things they're saying to you. Like you learn to just deflect what they're saying. And the, 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 the case for that in the Quran is Musa right? Because he's talking to Fir'aun. Fir'aun is saying horrible things to him. And Musa doesn't say, you know what? You're a jahil. I don't got to deal with this. No, he doesn't. He keeps talking. But he's ignoring the nonsense that he's saying. He ignores the nonsense, sticks to his point. He hears more nonsense, he still sticks to his point. He hears more nonsense, he still sticks to his point. Now stand your ground. You don't become emotional. You don't raise your voice because they raise their voice. But you do ignore the jahil, which actually means not only do you ignore this person's behavior, you, you ignore this person every time they act in this way. You should spot it and say, this is not the time for me to get roped up in that. Don't, you, don't allow yourself to get roped in that. So it's in these few words, is actually this huge teaching of our deen that comes in ayah number 199 of Surah Al-A'raf. So give us the, the, the strength, the spiritual strength, the emotional fortitude, the, the, the wisdom to be able to live by this ayah in our daily lives. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikil hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa'a wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladhin astafa'a khususan ala afdalihim wa khatamin nabiyyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Qala Allahu azza wa jal fi kitabihi al-kareem ba'da an aqula a'udhu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammad kama sallayta ala ibrahim wa ala ali ibrahim fil alamin innaka hamidun majid Allahumma barik ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammad كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا مقبولا